It's the most wonderful time of the year. Of I changed the keys year. in the middle. I got nervous. <laughs> I got really nervous. Um, hi, it's the Smug Buds for another year. Yes. January 2024. I'm Will and I'm talking to Liz. Hi, Liz. Hi, Will. I think this is five years, by the way. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> Um, but seriously, uh, is this the fifth uh, episode about this? Did we do it the first year? I think when we were doing seasons, I recall doing it in the first season and I recall recording it out of order because okay. we were recording some things in advance. Right. Also, I apologize to any of our goslings. Mm-hmm. I did burn the shit out of my hand at a Girl Scouts meeting. And so I have a bag of ice on my hand that I'm needing to arra- rearrange every so often. And we're very sorry to hear about that. Um, it's a hot glue okay. a, a real hot thing. I'm looking back. <laughs> At 23, 22, 21, the one I called 92nd, which is presumably <laughs> 20, 20, oh, oh no. Okay, yeah. So there's some, there, there's some inconsistency about the way that these are titled, but <laughs> would, it, would it shock you to learn that this appears to be the sixth? Wow. Annual Oscars episode of the Smug Buds. Wait, <laughs> Sorry, well, I, I spoiled what the episode's about. You're supposed to be the one to say it, but oh no, I think there's. I don't think there's a spoiler for this one. I think you, you mentioned up, it on the last episode, Will. Well, yes, but still, it's tradition. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. Gotta, when did we? So the oh yeah, January sixth. What? Why does it have the year? <laughs> a date. A date to remember for that reason in particular. <laughs> I can't believe it doesn't have the year on this. Like, was it January sixth? What? It, it was. It was. It was twenty nineteen. It I was twenty nineteen. So this is the mm-hmm. the fifth. We're at five years, but this is the sixth. One. It's been five years, which makes this this the sixth number, yeah. the beginning of number six. Yeah. Um. Okay. Let's put that in the in on the back burner. Are you for like now. afraid of getting old or something, Will? Um. More of dying, but sure, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, we've discussed this. In brief in brief, Goslings, I don't care if I die because it doesn't matter to me. And Will's like, no, that's the part that I'm afraid of. <laughs> well, sure, yeah. I mean, and, speci- and to be clear, I mean being dead. I yes. Don't, I don't mean the process of dying. Yeah. I don't, I'm afraid of the process of dying, assuming it's slow and painful. But the uh, at part of being death itself, of being you death, up, of you being up- death. <laughs> You brought up fear of, of getting old, which uh, my jokes about not wanting to reflect on how many years we've been doing the podcast are just more about, <laughs> yeah. a, you know, a sense of shame and embarrassment about being a, a man with a with an amateur podcast and and, you know, all, all, of, all of those feelings I'm I'm making light of. Yeah, yeah. Um, but of course, uh, we're still doing it because we enjoy doing it. Yes. And, uh, I would enjoy hearing if you have any old business. Um, sh- yes, sort of. <laughs> old business. Go on. Okay. So it's not exactly old business, but I like it. I just think it's so funny. I wanted to tell you about it. <laughs> yeah. So, and in, in a sense, it's someone's old business. So, are you familiar with Justin Timberlake? 
Uh, yeah, I heard of him, yeah. Have you, did you hear anything about his new song that just came out? I don't believe so. So he just had a song came out called Selfish, mm-hmm. which is like a worse version of Nick Jonas's song Jealous. Mm. It is conceptually the same. Nick mm. Jonas does a better job of pulling it off. Okay. Um, And that song, by the way, in and of itself is problematic, but it is catchy. So I accept it. I accept the Jealous song in the same way that I accept. In that I accept Kill Bill by SZA. Okay. <laughs> like, Kill Bill by SZA, it's not, everybody knows that that's not a good idea to kill your ex-boyfriend. Mm. I feel like people misjudge uh, Jealous as being true a little bit easier. Um, but anyway, so that happened. And Justin Timberlake's song also, as a side note, just sounds tired. Like, he sounds exhausted. Mm. Um, But... As we all know, Justin Timberlake dated Britney Spears. And the Britney fans are still mad at the way Justin Timberlake treated Britney Spears. Uh, very specifically because her memoir just came out and he was mm. like not nice to her. <laughs> mm, mm-hmm. And so Britney Spears has a song that was on her 2011 album, uh, Femme Fatale, I think, that's also called Selfish. Mm-hmm. And so the Britney fans went onto iTunes and just everybody bought copies of Britney's song that was not a single from that album. Mm-hmm. So that her song is now number one on iTunes and surpassed Justin Timberlake's song. That's cool. I think this is so, I love petty bullshit like this. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I like, as, as much as I'm not invested in, in the people in that story, I do enjoy a good story about people organizing around a cause. Yes. <laughs> and affecting change just purely by being a large number of people. Yes, exactly. United in doing the same thing. Um, like Bodie McBoatface. Sure. Yes. Not <laughs> not humanity's proudest moment, but also an example of what I'm talking about. Yes, yes that's right. <laughs> but I think I think that's all my new business, old business. I mean, and when I say it's old business, I mean that song, Britney's song, came out in 2011. Is old. Yes, it is business related <laughs> to something old. Um, my old business uh, concerns last month when you asked me about Christmas cookies. Yes. And I brought up a particular varietal uh, that my father would make. Yes. And we know that my parents listen to the podcast. Hi, and so Steve. Hi, Diane. Diane. Yep, that's right. And uh, we were expecting that we would probably receive the recipe because they they will have heard us talking about it. Uh-huh. Um, as of this uh, recording, I have not received that recipe. It remains a closely guarded secret. Uh, but I did receive something else. Oh, yeah? Physically in the mail. What? And it's the, cook- it's the cookies themselves, of course. Oh, so you can at least describe them to us. When I can show and I can uh, hold them up to the camera. Which side note about this cookie recipe? I actually checked our Smugbuds email to see if I had missed it and I had not. Mm -hmm. And it's not like even if they didn't listen to this episode, I tagged your dad on Twitter. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that and that's fine if he doesn't look at that, and that's perfectly understandable. But here's an example. Oh, is it covered in chocolate? No, uh, no, it it is a chocolate cookie. Oh, it just is chocolate. Okay. It just is a light brown chocolate cookie. I would 
call that um, dark brown. Well, <laughs> it's a it's a medium brown for for a compromise. It's like if the reason I asked if it was covered in chocolate is because it looks the same color as like a milk chocolate for our listeners mm-hmm. who don't have eyes. They have eyes, but mm-hmm. they don't have eyes that they can see this like I can. They don't have eyes on the cookies in the way that you do. Yeah. And what so, what are the notes you're getting here? Milk chocolate. <laughs> um, sweet uh, and sugary. I'm so curious and to bu- know. And buttery. What's in them now? I think we'll I think we'll find out very soon. Okay, good. Because those look great, and I would like to eat them. I like the little sprinkles on top. Um, they are delicious, and I hope that you will uh, get to try them one day. You just saw me eat one of them. There's one more remaining. They arrived uh, in time for my birthday. Yes, happy birthday. Thank you very much, which brings me back to how I opened the podcast, singing about it's the most wonderful time of the year, which mm-hmm. if you're someone like Liz, you wouldn't be singing in January for for sorry people like Liz. Christmas comes and goes and that time of year is over. If you're like Liz, you've already celebrated New Year's uh, two months prior to uh, the end of <laughs> December. And if you're someone uh, in Liz's sorry position, then January just means... Uh, just part of the stretch of your seasonal affective disorder with with yes. no holidays to balance the scales. But if you're like me, uh, then you have a birthday in mid-January. Mm-hmm. And uh, January brings uh, something that I call Christmas Eve 2. <laughs> which is the night when I cannot sleep because in the morning the Oscar nominations are Do you really announced. not sleep well before the... <laughs> Before the Oscar nominations night? It is hard to turn my brain <laughs> off. Because you're just like machinating. Indeed, yes. That's amazing. Uh, so Liz, would you do me the honor of reminding uh, the uh, vast audience listening to this what this episode of the podcast is about? In this episode, we are going to be talking about the 2024 Oscars. Which is, and and you've, the the way that you phrased that puts a spotlight on why I find it difficult to name these episodes. Because, of course, yes, the Oscars are in 2024, honoring the films of 2023. Yes. <laughs> so so which way do you refer to them? Exactly. Um, so uh, at this point in the podcast, uh, one of us always gets a baseline from the other one. Mm-hmm. Um, as we've already uh, explored, this is the sixth time uh, we've talked about... <laughs> Uh, the current Oscars. So I'm not going to ask you for a baseline uh, about the awards, but I will ask you, uh, what do you think of when you think of 2023 as a year in cinema? Yeah. So, I mean, Barbenheimer is the big one. Correct. Um, so Barbie and Oppenheimer. Um mm-hmm. Did, did, did you see... <laughs> Did you see anything else that you can remember? I saw Barbie. I have not seen Oppenheimer. Did I tell you that we own a Blu-ray of Oppenheimer now, though? No, I did not know that. Would you like to know how this came about? You will appreciate this story. (laughs) Okay, please share. So we were at, Elliot and I were at Target before Mm -hmm. Christmas, Mm -hmm. and we were picking out something for Kenny, for Papa. 
And so we were walking around and I was like, you know, what sort of thing do you want to get him? And she saw the cover of the Oppenheimer Blu-ray. She obviously does not know what this is. Mm -mm. And she goes, I think Papa would like that because it looks spooky. Mm. And I confirmed, yes, Papa would like that. And Mm -hmm. so she bought him (laughs) Oppenheimer. That rocks. Yeah. That's like best that's best case scenario in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um and but I haven't watched it yet cuz it's so long and you know, I go to bed. Like it's going to have to be like a 2 to 3 night event. Yes, it's a 3 it's a 3 hour movie. Yeah. Yes. And and you are parents of a young one. I don't think I don't Oh, also Killers of the Flower Moon. That's the other one. Which I have, you did not, not see. I've not seen but that, you, but that's but another But you've movie. heard of it. Yeah. Um, and, and, and don't feel like you have to limit yourself to award Z movies. Oh, I do want to tell you, I did watch Saltburn. Oh, interesting. Did you seen Saltburn? No, I have not watched. Not nearly as fun as I thought it was going to be. Okay. That's, it is reassuring to hear you say that because the, um. Can I give you a, it's not a spoiler. It's something that doesn't happen. Go for it. Yeah. I thought certainly the way people were talking about this movie, that mm-hmm. Jacob Elordi and Barry Keegan, or Keegan, however you Keog- say it. Keoghan, whatever. The world would make out, at least. Uh-huh. Right. I thought they would fuck, for sure, but maybe uh-huh. make out. Sure. No, not once. Mm. Yeah. Very disappointing. Extremely hot people. That's a bummer. Um, Jacob Elordi, beautiful to look at. Mm-hmm. Oh, here's my other problem. I know that this is sort of like... Not maybe gauche isn't the word, but like overdone to mm. like complain about shit being dark. <laughs> uh, oh, you mean literally dark, like hard Physically to see. Dark. Mm-hmm. I thought I had seen you know images from Saltburn, and it takes place in the summer. I thought it was going to be very "Call Me by Your Name" in terms mm. of like it, it's very bright. You know, most of it's taking mm. place in like the brilliant sunlight, and mm-hmm. there are definitely parts of that, but there are parts. Where it's like just nighttime and they're in, or even parts where they're like inside of this estate. And I'm like, I can't see shit. Yes. I like, I took a, I took a picture at one point and sent it to Sarah. And it's just, you can just sort of see vaguely on one side part of Barry, Barry's cheek. And I just Mm -hmm. said, I love cinema, but I'm Mm. so sick of it. I understand Mm. that everybody else is sick of it too. Mm -hmm. You. you Oh, and I saw, I saw, um, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I just I just wanted to confirm. You saw it, you watched it at home, right? Yes, Salt, I did. Print. Yeah, okay. Because it's on Amazon Prime now for free, so I was like, click. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I also saw Bottoms. Okay. Uh, at home. At home. Mm-hmm. I actually don't know the last movie I saw in the theater, and I also saw. Um, well, you I saw watched... Barbie in the theater, right? No, I didn't. <laughs> oh, I didn't. Oh, okay. I just Kenny. Assumed. Kenny saw them, and I just never got around to it. Okay. But by um, now you have seen Barbie at home. Yes, I have seen Barbie and I've watched it twice because I also watched it once with the ASL interpreter so that mm. I could support them having an ASL interpreter. Very good. Um, And then I watched Theater Camp. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's a movie from this past year. Yep. Um, And I think that's it. I've been trying to like sort of blow through stuff. Oh, okay. I, this is old business. I have decided I'm going to finish watching Rick and Morty. This is not related to the Oscars, but I did watch a lot of it. <laughs> that's interesting. I'd like to talk more about that at another time. Yes, that's totally fine. I'm just trying to, I think, I think that's where I am. I think that's everything I've watched that's relevant. Well, and of course you've left something out, which is fine to leave out 
because we've talked about it more than enough, but Asteroid City was last year. Right. Asteroid City. That was the last movie I saw in theaters was Asteroid City. That makes sense. Yeah. Yes. So all of this uh, brings us to uh, why do we talk about what? Why why talk about the Oscars at this moment when it it should be said uh, the Oscars are in March of mm-hmm. 2024. Mm-hmm. Um, Oscar voting uh, for the folks who uh, that's relevant to uh, takes place in late February. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole month uh, before these things are going to be voted upon and anything could happen uh, in that month. Loads of people could be canceled um, between now and end of February. But um, no, of course, the the nominations have just recently been announced. And uh, as I have done for the past several years, I have attempted to predict who the nominees will be uh, before those nominations are announced. In eight categories, those eight categories are Best Picture, Director, Original Screenplay, Adapted Screenplay, Lead Actor, Lead Actress, Supporting Actor, and Supporting Actress. Yes. We're going to get into these lists, and we're going to mix it up a little bit and go in a little bit of a different order. Oh, getting crazy for year six. That's right. That's that's the plan, is to keep people uh, engaged, <laughs> because... Uh, <laughs> I would hate for uh, our listenership to drop off, but um, <laughs> I did tell all the Girl Scout moms about this, by the way. So maybe they'll listen to this episode. How fun! Shout Come out on. to our troop. I won't say the number. <laughs> okay. Oh, but if you do want to buy Girl Scout cookies, I can send you a link in the next month or so. So send oh, me you still an have email a at smugbuds dot uh, until March tenth. Okay, that's yeah, that's more than a month. Great. Has Elliot hit that goal yet? The badge. She goal? did. Okay. There cool. was there was a personalized patch that she will get if she sells 125 boxes, and as of this morning, she has sold 126. Wow! Congratulations. She is currently the top seller in her troop, but I mm. that is not because of anything she has done. <laughs> I think that's normal, right? But she will be selling in person, like doing, you know, hawking her wares uh, mm-hmm. for all of February. So she'll be, she'll put the work in, but I'm, I'm very pleased because what happens is, sorry, this is a small tangent, but like this money goes back to their troops so that they can then do activities. So I'm, I feel very honored that so many people have supported her so that they'll be able to go do more stuff together. Mm-hmm. She really loves Girl Scouts because she loves being a girl and she loves other girls. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. Very nice. Okay, so the context that I am trying to tiptoe my way into is perhaps uh, in the past when we've gone over these predictions and what I've gotten right and what I've gotten wrong, sometimes I might be a little self-conscious about uh, admitting what I've gotten wrong. Mm-hmm. And this time around, I might be feeling more self-conscious about um, getting some things right. <gasps> bum, bum, bum. And, and the, the, the means by which I arrive at, uh, getting certain things right. Uh-huh. When, when I, when I started doing this several years ago, you may remember it was because watching the Oscars where the Moonlight La La Land debacle happened. Mm-hmm. That was such a fun evening. 
that I left it thinking, how can I sustain this all year round? Well, <laughs> I will simply pay more attention, watch a lot more new release movies. Mm-hmm. And instead of waiting for Oscars night to guess who the winners will be, I will guess who the nominees are going to be before that uh, is announced. And in the beginning, I, I, I went into it sort of insulated, thinking if I see enough movies, I'll be able to make educated guesses. Mm-hmm. And some of them will be wrong, but many of them may be right. And now I've been doing this for several years and I've learned a few things and I, I've gotten rather than getting better at generating predictions myself, Mm -hmm. I've gotten better at recognizing what I don't know. Yes. And I've gotten better at knowing when I have hit a wall Mm -hmm. and I won't know what to write down next unless I Google and find out what the experts are saying. Mm -hmm. And then I may do what anyone could do, Mm -hmm. which is read what the experts are saying and then copy it down. Mm -hmm. Isn't that how Andrews won a couple of times? That is, and yes, and 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 what we rarely talk about uh, on the podcast is the actual Oscars themselves and how that plays out and who wins. But uh, yes, you've heard me talk about friends come over. I force them to fill out the ballots uh, with their guesses for who the winners <laughs> you are. You also make themed cocktails. I have done that in the past. Yes, I lo- I look forward to. I guess I'm. Sarah's going to hear this, so I'm committing to doing it again. (laughs) Um, And uh, Andrew's approach uh, has been uh, not guessing himself, but looking up what the experts in, say, the New York Times or in one instance, I think Christian Science Monitor um, (laughs) have said the winners will be and then just one for one copying what they say. And guess what? They're... They're the experts and Andrew wins because yeah. he does this. Um, so, uh, oh, and by the way, I, I reminded myself, as I said, re- as I referenced writing things down, um, I was going to make a joke about how it's still the most wonder- wonderful time of the year because what am I doing except making a list and then on the podcast, I check, it, it I, check it twi- I check it twice. Here it is. I'm holding it up for Liz. So, okay, so so that statement about how I have uh, come, how my, how my process has evolved for uh-huh. determining my predictions, that's the context that I want to lay out, which is the reason why I want to start with Best Picture. Yeah. There are 10 nominees for Best Picture, as there were last year. I yeah. don't know if you remember this, but because there can be year, five to ten. So yeah, so as we've talked about before, it used to be five, just like every category, but then they expanded it to ten. But when they did that, they 
at the same time said, well, actually, we're expanding it to up to 10. Mm-hmm. And for several years, it was normal for there to be sometimes eight, sometimes nine. Mm-hmm. And it was unpredictable which it would be. Yeah. Last year, it was 10. And that seems to be normal now. Mm-hmm. This year, it is also 10. And I knew that that was a likely possibility. And so I made 10 predictions. And so I wrote down... and. In all of the lists that you're going to hear me read, if they're my lists, you will hear they're not in alphabetical order, as you might hear them from the Academy. They're in the order that I wrote them down, and I was writing down the most likely thing first. Yes, in your brain, yeah. And the thing that I was least confident about Uh last. And so you'll sort of hear it go in that order. So I'm going to start reading the list, and then you're going to hear me stop near the end where my confidence gets shaky. Yes. Number one, Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. Number two, Barbie. Uh-huh. Number three, Killers of the Flower Moon. Yes. Number four, Poor Things. Uh-huh. Number five, The Holdovers. Uh-huh. Number six, Past Lives. Yes. No- Number seven, Maestro. Mm. Number eight, I'm not stopping yet, but I'm slowing down a little bit. Uh-huh. The Zone of Interest. And then I've written down these eight, and now I still have to put down nine and ten. Yes. And I have here written down in a little notebook the long list of where I just vomit out ideas. Yes. So, like, two that I self-eliminated pretty early were Napoleon and Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Two that I wanted to write down if I was being optimistic and expressing personal preference were Asteroid City and The Boy and the Heron. Yes. But I, and I knew that, like, both of those were like, I really want that to be a possibility. And it seems like it's not a 0% chance. Mm-hmm. But if I'm being realistic, it's close enough to zero that I'm not going to include either of those in my predictions. Yeah. Two that were on the cusp were May-December and The Color Purple. (laughs) The May-December fucking movie. Yeah. Did you see May-December? I didn't see May-December, but Sarah described it to me at length. (laughs) Okay, cool. That's fun. It's one of those things where every so often I'm like, am I going to put this on? And I'm like, I don't feel like I have. I'm in the mood for this right now. Well, and you're obviously we've talked a lot about Natalie Portman and you. So, yeah, I mean, you've got a clear reason to want to watch. I know. And that's why I was like, oh, I also thought when I saw it that it was like gay. And Sarah was like, no, that's not the premise. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, and by saw it, I mean, literally saw the. Thumbnail. The photo, like uh, the, the poster, yeah, the poster on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> so that immediately less interested. Okay, so so basically, I've got two spots to fill, and I've got rolling around in my head: May, December, the color purple, Anatomy of a Fall, American Fiction, the contenders I already said I eliminated. And then to a lesser extent, the Iron Claw. And those are all things that I've written down in my little notebook. Mm -hmm. So I Google and I see what 
people in, say, Vanity Fair are saying is likely to happen. Mm-hmm. And they sway my opinion. And so I write down number nine, Anatomy of a Fall, and number 10, American Fiction. Okay. What do you think happened? Uh, it was Asteroid City and the, the Great Heron. <laughs> the boy and the heron. <laughs> if only, if only. Uh, the, the woodpecker cries. The bark on the tree were as soft as the skies. No. The, no, the reason we're starting with this and the reason that I'm putting in so many qualifiers yeah. is because those are all correct. Oh, wow. You got 10 out of 10. I, I, the 10 that I wrote down as my predictions As your are, official predictions. Are the 10 nominees for Best Picture. Will, you are starting strong. Oppenheimer, Barbie, Killers of the Flower Moon, Poor Things, The Holdovers, Past Lives, Maestro, The Zone of Interest, Anatomy of a Fall, and American Fiction are the 10 nominees for Best Picture. Now, to, to recap, look. This is this is difficult to talk about in retrospect because mm-hmm. obviously hindsight is twenty twenty, and uh, I can't eliminate hindsight bias from my memory of how this actually played out. I'm trying to recall not only what I wrote down and when I wrote it down, but I'm trying to recall what my thought process was yeah. before writing that down, and that's very nebulous. Mm-hmm. But I think I can say. That at the very least, the first seven of those ten, I didn't really need help yeah. writing down those predictions. And then it would then it was hard to narrow down, especially those last two, but I'm also kind of expanding it to three. Mm-hmm. And those three for me are American fiction, anatomy of a fall, and the zone of interest. Yeah. But they were on my long list and they were the ones that the experts were saying were mm-hmm. going to make the cut. And they were right. And thus, so am I. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, any questions before we move on to another category? What is Anatomy of a Fall? Um, it is a French movie that we are going to talk more about. Okay. Continue. And you also kind of had the same reaction when I first said the name The Zone of Interest. Yes. Um, which is also a uh, non-American film. Um, I think technically the country of origin is Germany. Okay. I think the director is from the UK. Uh-huh. Um, it's a it's a movie set in Nazi Germany, and oh, um, fun. N- now's it now's <laughs> a good time to say um, of these ten films, I've seen eight of them. Uh huh. I haven't yet seen Anatomy of a Fall. I had plenty of chances to see it at the local art house cinema, mm-hmm. and I squandered those chances. And now I have to You'll do never my homework again. Well, now I have to do my homework and watch it at home at some point. The Zone of Interest I haven't seen because just right now this weekend is the first opportunity that I've had to see it. And I am okay. going to see it in the theater maybe as soon as tomorrow. I haven't bought any tickets yet. I I have one other thing to one other thing to say, which is Maestro. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen Maestro. No. <laughs> but it reminds me emotionally from what I've seen as that Kate Blanchett movie from last year. Tar. 
tar where remember how I was like this is the like we're gonna make a movie about an artist but it's not a movie artist it's a different artist and it's gonna be very serious and it's gonna mm-hmm. have act like serious real acting yeah and that's how I feel about this one and it feels I know that it's about somebody specific that I should know the name of but I don't it's about Leonard Bernstein yes um but it feels the same to me mm-hmm. and it's well, funny to me that these are back to back in years it is funny yes that they are both about composers and they are both high profile uh, uh movies with awards recognition yeah um they also have some crucial things not in common like tar is fiction and yes. maestro is a biopic um but uh yeah it's it's one of those um you know if you if they came out in the same year you would say like oh it's like deep impact and armageddon mm-hmm. um or uh um the prestige and the uh illusionist the illusionist yes exactly so i'm still not over the prestige well, that's a Christopher Nolan movie, and that's a great transition to talk about Best Director next. Yes, let's go. Okay, so uh, my five nominees, and um, again, you know, the confidence rule applies. Listen to mm-hmm. the order in which I wrote these down. Number one, Christopher Nolan. Mm-hmm. Number two, Greta Gerwig. Mm-hmm. Number three, Martin Scorsese. Mm-hmm. Number four, Yorgos Lanthimos, director of Poor Things. Mm-hmm. And number five, Alexander Payne, director of The Holdovers. Now, mm-hmm. this is the one place where I'm going to point out that uh, when I first... Uh, so first, you saw The Little Notebook. Yep. Where I, I make the long lists. Uh-huh. Uh, then I have the big notepad, uh-huh. which has enough space for all the categories on one long sheet of paper. Yeah. And this, when I'm feeling impatient and it's getting close but not close enough when the nominees are going to be announced, I write down my lists in pencil. Mm-hmm. And then the night before, I go over it in pen to lock in the official prediction. <laughs> well, that's so cute. This category... That's so cute, it, it like hurts me. This category is the one place where... I wrote down a name in pencil and then I didn't go over it in pen. I changed it Oh. in order to write it down in pen. Uh-huh. When I penciled in my predictions, I wrote number five, Bradley Cooper, director of Maestro. Right. And then I was going back and forth, back and forth, deciding who was actually going to get that fifth nom. And I decided it was more likely to be Alexander Payne, director of The Holdovers. Mm-hmm. Well, neither of those is correct, so it was pointless. <laughs> and not to mention the fact, Liz, if you know anything about these nominations, I expect you to already know without me having to tell you, Greta Gerwig is not nominated for Best Director. Yes. So only three out of my five predictions are correct. Christopher Nolan, Martin Scorsese, and Yorgos Lanthimos are all nominated, but the other two nominees are the aforementioned, though I didn't say his name, Jonathan Glazer director of the zone of interest mm-hmm. and apologies if i mispronounce anything justine triette director of anatomy of a fall yeah so when i was oscillating 
between Bradley Cooper and other possibilities. Ultimately, I went with Alexander Payne. Mm-hmm. One of the possibilities that I was acknowledging, though not caving to, mm-hmm. was uh, we have talked about this in the past, at least one year ago and maybe in other instances as well. After the hashtag Oscars so white controversy, mm-hmm. the Academy has broadened its voting body to be much more international. Mm-hmm. And where this is distinctly visible is that it has become much more likely that one, uh, or mo- in this case more, but I was thinking one non American director is going to wind up in the Best director category. Mm-hmm. When I made my five predictions, I was thinking, I am not leaving room for that possibility. Yeah. But it's so crowded and there's so much competition. Yeah. That I made my five, my five, and just said, mm, this is still my best guess, despite knowing that yeah. this international thing should be in the mix. Mm-hmm. Well, I really underestimated that because one of the one of the nominees who I didn't predict is French, and the other one is English. Mm-hmm. Now, now there's a fork in the road in front of us, and and one fork is uh, leading down a, a a golden smooth road mm-hmm. that would be so easy to go down, and there's a sign pointing to it, and it says "Move on." Mm-hmm. And the other sign is pointing off a cliff. <laughs> and the sign says discourse. <laughs> Specifically the discourse about Barbie snubs. Mm-hmm. You've seen the film. Do you have any thoughts about this before I say my piece? I think that Barbie pulled off some... Barbie feels very much like Endgame to me. Hmm. Um, in a different way, but similar sort of um, level of expectation. Yeah. When I saw Endgame, um, Avengers Endgame, yep. I was like, how on earth are they going to pull off tying some bows on this narrative, which has mm-hmm. been going on for literally years. Ten years, yeah. And um, which has a lot of weight to it mm-hmm. and a lot of complexity. And I think for the most part, they pulled off an actual satisfying, meaningful, um, made sense for the characters ending. Maybe too well. Yes. Maybe in a way that damned them for the future. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Because everyone is like, we saw a really satisfying ending to this whole thing. This whole thing. More of it? No, thank you. Barbie feels the same way in that there's been plenty of Barbie shows. Mm -hmm. Barbie itself as a toy has been around for decades. Yeah. Um, Barbie uh, has had complexities to it. Mm-hmm. I remember my mom telling me, I my mom never, you know, forbade me from playing with Barbies, but I think she told me very early on, like, this is not realistic proportions for a woman. If a woman was actually proportioned like this doll, she would not be able to walk. Like, she was telling me this as a kid. So 
so she she did a because my mom's really good at being a mom and I I'm not I'm saying that quite sincerely I love her so much like she you know really set up the expectation this is a toy and so it is a toy that is not realistic and so we mm-hmm. need to separate those two things mm-hmm. and I think that Greta Gerwig took all of that history all of that nuance all of the capitalism yeah the fact that this is literally uh you know it's about it's this line between this is a toy and this is an experience because what is the work of children except play? Right. And so there is meaning there, despite the fact that it is also part of capitalism. Right. And I think that she did above and beyond what I could have expected from anybody. Um, does that it's, and I think that it has any amount of, you know, flaws and criticisms as any as much as anything else would. But I don't think it has significantly more. Let me put it that way. Okay. And so I think that in in general, it succeeded at what it was attempting to do and maybe even went above succeeding. Mm-hmm. Even, which is not to say there, there can't be bad things about it. But, and I think it's incredible that America, well, we'll get there, but... <laughs> So, so sorry, sorry to be pedantic after yes. be, after putting you on the spot like yes. that. But I've been thinking about this, so you're not really putting me on the spot. I knew that were, this was one thing I could talk about. You were prepared, and that's good. But but my my pedantic uh, reaction to what you're saying is um, recognizing the accomplishment that of Greta Gerwig that you just laid out. Could could be could be done with a screenplay nomination. It could be done in she, a lot of ways. Yeah. What you what you just laid out sounds like you had a lot of uh, something favorable to say about the movie as it was written. I think as it was written, but I also think as it was. I mean, like Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie's, remember when we saw Asteroid City? And I said, what What was the only thing that made me cry in Asteroid City? Margot Robbie's one scene. Yeah. Margot Robbie's one scene. That woman can manipulate her face mm-hmm. more than, so, you know, her ability to manipulate her face is absurd. So, like, I think also it was, like, the the set design was, it's, I can go on and on about this movie. Um, I think it's sort of in, it feels it feels like something that couldn't be anything except a movie let me put it that way okay like it couldn't have been a tv show it's not a book it's not a music video like the amount of effort and sort of lushness of it i think could only be in a movie um and would you would, would it be fair to say what you may be thinking is Greta Gerwig is at the helm of all of that. She, yeah, because she and Noah, her partner, wrote the screenplay together. Right. And she then directed it, so. Right, she didn't have, a, yeah, a co-director. It's her, it's, she's the director. Yeah. And as the director who had her vision realized in what sounds like a way you're saying is successful. I think, it's one of those things where just because it doesn't have, just because I could have and do have some criticisms of it doesn't mean that um, it wasn't the most successful version of what it could be. I'm not, I can't think of a version of this movie 
that could overcome the criticisms that you're going yeah. to have no matter what. That's what I'm okay. saying. Okay, let me frame this a different way. Okay, I'm, I feel like I'm not telling you what you want to hear. Understanding that the way that you answer this question will in no way be an endorsement of 100% of the content of the film Barbie. Yes, yes, yes. Are you disappointed that Greta Gerwig is not nominated for director? I think I am, yes, but I also couldn't tell you who I think shouldn't be nominated. Well, and you haven't seen all the films, obviously. Yes, like, and so that that's sort of where I guess my like one sort of sticking point. Yeah. And I think my biggest, so the thing I was saying where like it's hard to avoid the criticism is that like, I think that she did a good job of having a overarching cast that was pretty diverse and had a lot of different voices and abilities, which is very reflective of how Barbie has sort of as a, as a brand rebranded themselves and reimagined uh-huh. how they're, how they're having their toys be. Um, but there, there's whiteness. There's a huge, big white flag sticking out of Barbie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, and yeah. so I think that it's, um, you know, difficult to say with Greta Gerwig, like, I think that she did something really incredible. Um, I think that was there somebody else that maybe, you know, is the success of Barbie being a box office hit enough? I think it should be, but also yeah, right. like, you know, it, should we be using, it's, it comes back to the question of like, what is the purpose of this, this exercise? Yeah, right. Yes. So, so I want to bounce off of that if I can jump in here. Um, so a moment ago, you made a point that I saw somebody else make online, which you, you were saying you might have wanted that to happen, but you don't know how you would make it happen. And in order to, you, to do that, you would have to kick someone out. Yes. And the point that I saw someone make online was if you say someone was snubbed in a particular category, you have to say who you would remove, whose nomination you would take away in yes. order to make room for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I am in the unfortunate position of not having seen zone of interest yet or anatomy of a fall Mm -hmm. so i can't speak to whether either of those directors uh may be more deserving of the nomination which they got over greta gerwig getting it um obviously though i'm pissed not because i think the movie's perfect or because she definitely 100% deserves it I'm pissed because I, I predicted that it would happen and it, and it, <laughs> and didn't, it didn't happen <laughs> but in the discourse about whether it should have happened or not I think that this discourse is particularly toxic because in my opinion there is no position you can have in which you are not at least a little bit wrong yes yes that's sort of why I was like hedging mm-hmm. so much because right. I I think it's more so that like I think you're taking a very will stance and I'm going to take a very Liz stance okay which is the same stance but sort of both sides of the coin uh-huh. which is that I think multiple things can be true at the same yeah. time mm-hmm. right. I think that um whereas you're saying you can you know matter what you're going to be a little bit wrong like I think it can be true to say like you know if we were looking at a movie that had this sort of 
cultural impact and level of um, popularity and and you know was from this person that you know not just directed the movie but also wrote the movie and it was like a white man we wouldn't bat an eyelash if he got a nomination you know uh-huh. what i mean yeah um but also by the same t- i also saw somebody say like well are you saying that is it justine the other direct- yeah yeah mm-hmm. are somebody had tweeted like you got to take one woman's nomination away in order to... Yeah, they were like... And somebody had sort of, like, responded and said, we could also nominate more than one woman for director every year. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, also, you know, I've seen a lot of people be like, Barbie got a lot of, of like, uh, what's the word? Recognition at the Oscars. They got uh-huh. eight Oscar nominations in the end. Uh-huh. And so, like, isn't that enough? Like, why are you... Your like your whiteness is showing that you think that they just absolutely were shoe ins, you know, for, for uh-huh. nominations. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that all I think, I think it it does seem pretty ridiculous to me that if you're looking at sort of what has gotten you to that place of being nominated in the past, that these yeah. two people were not nominated in the way we were expecting. You said something just a second ago that I think could be an alternate tagline for the podcast. Instead of we'll explain everything to the geese, the website could say the smug buds, their whiteness is showing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's um, true in a lot of these nominations. And yeah. and so I don't know. I think I think it's not wrong to be shocked. It seems silly. I it's but I also don't feel like for a lot of the nominations that it's like, oh, these white people didn't get it over these other people that are from diverse and complex and interesting and good and underrepresented backgrounds. And the person that you want to kick off is somebody that would have never, you know, never been nominated 10 or 20 years ago. And because I don't think that happened either. You know what I mean? Right. Yes. Right. Well, well, and um, so many people are, are were rooting for this to happen, and they're upset that it didn't happen because they're rooting for Barbie because Barbie was a big fun movie that they loved. Yeah. Um. But but some of us are disappointed that it didn't didn't happen because even before Barbie, we've been rooting for Greta Gerwig and we're yes. just invested in her uh, getting an Oscar for being a director. Um. Because just a few years ago, we were on this podcast talking about she was not nominated for directing Little Women, which is one of my favorite movies. Um, And that same year, Todd Phillips was nominated for directing Joker. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but you you, uh, wisely brought it back to the question of like, what is the point of the exercise? Mm-hmm. which is which is what I wanted to bring it back to too I thought I, I I said there's no good or 100% right way to have a position in this conversation and I thought of my way of entering into the conversation again I'm pissed because it was a wrong yes it's a, it's a red line that I had to draw on my notepad yes um my my point is is directed at the academy. Looking at these five nominees, mm-hmm. it looks like perhaps the 
the point of the exercise in their minds is not only does an Oscar win come with prestige, but an Oscar nomination comes with prestige. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to mean you're one of the best. And these five are the nominees because we are trying to honor the best of the best. Mm -hmm. And to that I say, makes sense. If you want to honor the best of the best in your medium, mm-hmm. more power to you. Do it behind closed doors, like every critic circle in the world. Throw a party if you want to, a private one. Uh-huh. I'll even let you invite a few press and we can hear about it afterwards. Mm-hmm. But if you want to put on a spectacle and Mm -hmm. you want all the world's eyes on it, and you want to televise it, and you want the broadcast to get big ratings, which it no longer does, Mm -hmm. and you want to put on this spectacle in order to keep this dream alive that new release movies are a relevant force in the culture. Yes. Then I expect you to nominate Greta Gerwig for best director for making Barbie. And I expect you looking ahead to categories we haven't gotten to to nominate Margot Robbie yes. for playing Barbie. <laughs> Who Margot th- Robbie again and I know and we're I think skipping that's ahead a reasonable bit, expectation. She's, she's it's not just that she was Barbie. Like she's an incredible actress. She's the she's the best. <laughs> she's so fucking good at it. Have you watched the variety actors on actors interview between Kelly I haven't Murphy? watched any of those, so I can answer you already. Oh man, you haven't? Do you not like those? I think actors are boring. Okay. I think it's worthwhile to watch the Killian Murphy um Greta or uh Margot Robbie one. And I might start watching those. Um because that one in particular, they sort of put them together because of Barbenheimer. And so they uh-huh. talk about that. Yeah. But Margot Robbie um, talks about how she was, well, first off, she talks about how she thinks an American accent is really hard for Australian people because Australian people are really um, lazy with the way that they sort of move their tongue around. And that when she does an American accent, it actually tires out her mouth because of the way she has to use her muscles, which is just like absurd for me to think about like it's so technical but Mm. she also talks about how she wanted to portray barbie sort of at the beginning and how um because she's like she's she's like it was a really fine line because she is sort of nothing right she's sort of this blank slate but she's not i didn't want her to come across as ditzy Mm -hmm. and so she said that um there was like a this american life episode or something like that that margot sent her about a woman who, like, didn't feel... That, em- uh, em- that Greta Gerwig sent her? Yeah, that Greta Gerwig sent her, sorry, sent Margot. Um, that was, like, a woman who, like, didn't feel, like, empathy. Not in, mm. like, a serial killer way. Um, but in, like, a, like, she just didn't consider it. And she was, you know, for the most part, very normal in how she moved about her life. She had a husband and stuff like that, but... She said that, like, in part of the interview, there was a day when she realized her mom was going to die. And she had never considered this before. She was, like, in her 30s. And she started, like, not crying, but, like, kind of freaking out a little bit. Her Mm -hmm. husband was like, have you not thought about this your entire life? And she was like, no! Like, and so it's just so interesting. That interview in particular is very interesting because what they're talking about from both ends is so technical 
mm-hmm. um, in ways that I feel like I like I didn't expect the the accent thing. I didn't expect. Mm. And Kelly yeah. Murphy says plenty of interesting things too. But um, sure, sure, uh, yeah, I'm I'm <laughs> super sure that he does. Uh, uh, I'll go on my own Margot Robbie tangent that I yeah. thought we might get to when we talk about that category. But yeah. we're on we're on it now. We're on I the start, road. I, I'm to blame. I I started it. I wanted to say, obvi- look, I, anyone who's listened to this podcast knows I'm a Marvel guy through and through. Mm-hmm. I don't think very highly of most DC stuff. Obviously, there are exceptions. We both love the Batman. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to say, I I have a take, like, if I'm being honest, I think that Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn might be my number one favorite <laughs> performance. Yeah, that's fair. Of of someone translating a character from cartoons and comic books to mm-hmm. live action silver screen. Mm-hmm. It's she just she just like she just is that character. Yeah. In a way that most people playing superheroes are like well, that's Benedict Cumberbatch doing a, a, an American accent that sounds like Dr. House. Yeah. Like that's Robert Downey Jr. And like part of part of the point is that like they're a big star mm-hmm. and their star power makes them uh, the right candidate to play a superhero. Mm-hmm. Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn is... Harley Quinn from yes. the Batman animated series, yes. but made into a live action a person human. played by a movie star. It's she's she's the best. Which is sort of which is exactly why she was Barbie. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Because she just completely is the thing. Like, well, yeah, it couldn't be anybody else. Yes. Yeah. Let's uh, do a few more categories. Yes. We're going to keep, we're, we're, we're not going to go to actor now. We're going to go screenplay now. Perfect. And we're going to keep talking about Barbie for a crucial reason. But just yes. to recap, best picture, I uh, got 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Best director, I got three out of five. Mm-hmm. Now there are two screenplay categories. Mm-hmm. Original screenplay <laughs> and adapted screenplay. You're laughing like you already know what I'm going to say. I did see this, but yeah, keep going. <laughs> We got to talk about it. I think this is one of the most interesting questions of the year. <laughs> Which category does Barbie fit in? And and I do you know the answer? Yes. Do, do tell me what tell me what you know. It's adapted apparently. But but and and here's part of what I find interesting about it. I've talked about this before. You know, uh, I I do this. If you remember me saying it, if I if I have a question about whether a screenplay is original or adapted, or if uh-huh. I have a question about whether a performer is lead or supporting, I Google the name of the movie and FYC, which stands for For Your, for consideration. your consideration. Yeah. And the studios, if they're doing their jobs, they set up these web pages that if anyone can doing go to. Their job. Some don't do it, and it's really frustrating for me. <laughs> Will's um, got some notes for you guys. Yeah, A24 fucking put your <laughs> shit together. You won so many awards last year. I guess you know what you're doing. Um, but um, 
uh, uh, looking up uh, Barbie's for your consideration page, um, it it late because they want you to consider the relevant people in the relevant categories, mm-hmm. and that page says best original screenplay. No. Yeah. Yes. That what? is. That's how they pitched it, and the Academy said no. <laughs> the Academy said no. You didn't write an original screenplay. You wrote an adapted screenplay. Adapted from what? The... <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because the whole idea between of 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 adapted screenplay is that there's an existing text there's an existing narrative even sure like yeah. let's like if we're gonna if we're gonna really try to think of this as abstractly as possible to try to give the most i guess like flexibility to what they're trying to argue it's an there's a narrative there is a story and you're adapting the story i think you are giving the version of this that justifies what they did. No, I don't think it does because I don't think Barbie has a fucking story. That's I, the whole point. I know you're not trying to do that, but I think that the way that you're framing uh, the way that you're framing it is just more open-ended than the way that I'm framing it. Sure, yes. And and I don't want it to be as open-ended as you're making it because uh-huh. that allows for what they did. I want to be specific about, I'm using the word text. Mm-hmm. All sequels, not that that comes up very often, but you would think, oh, it's a sequel. It'll never get an Oscar nomination. But yeah. the Borat 2 screenplay was nominated and right. the Top Gun 2 screenplay was nominated. So yes. it comes up. And those are always adapted, even if they're not based on a book or anything. Mm-hmm. It They're based on the text of the First movie, the one that they're sequelizing. Yes. That movie is a text. Based on a book, the book is a text. Based on a play, the play is a text. Remake of another movie, that movie is the text. Yes. Barbie is a toy. Yes. There's no text. It there are no <clears throat> And this is and and in my opinion, this is a this is a squandered opportunity. Because I think it's better. Look. Look, what they've done is, spoiler alert, Oppenheimer is adapted from a book. Mm-hmm. So now they are competing in the one category. Mm-hmm. When the story could have been uh-huh. Barbenheimer. One is in one category yeah. and the other is in the other category. Maybe they'll both win. Yeah. Now that can't happen, then that's not the story. And what we have, in my opinion, is a worse narrative yes so let's start with adapted we're already talking about adapted so we have to start there Mm -hmm. this is um quite um crowded Mm -hmm. i would say every year we we talk about this every year one of them turns out to be crowded and the other one turns out to be oh there's not as many of these Mm -hmm. this is the crowded one original is the other one Mm mm-hmm I wrote down number one, Oppenheimer, number two, Barbie, knowing how the Academy was going to categorize it. Mm-hmm. Number three, Killers of the Flower Moon. Mm-hmm. Number four, Poor Things. Number five, American Fiction. Right. Four out of five of those are correct. Good job, Will. I mentioned how crowded this category is. Yes. I was very surprised 
when Killers of the Flower Moon was not nominated yeah. for its adapted screenplay. In its place is The Zone of Interest. Interesting. Okay. Oppenheimer, Barbie, Poor Things, and American Fiction are the other four nominees, which I was right about. Yes. Original screenplay. My five predictions were, number one, The Holdovers. Uh-huh. Number two, Anatomy of a Fall. Right. Number three, Past Lives. Number four, May, December. Mm-hmm. And number five, Maestro. And all five of those are correct. I went five for five in the original screenplay categories. Uh, category, singular. Um, the five nominees in original screenplay, again, I just read them. Maestro, May, December, Past Lives, Anatomy of a Fall, and The Holdovers. What? I feel like May, December should be an adapted screenplay. And May, December is not based on anything. Isn't it based on the true life story of a of a You can fictionalize real events and that I'm just saying that's kind of seems and like that bullshit to me. <laughs> it's not it's not a, it's not adapted. It did it's the the writer was not adapting anything. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It might resemble some real people's lives in some in some aspects and they might be not too happy about it. Yeah. But Okay, uh, I guess I thought it was actually based around the Mary no. Kay Latourneau sandal, but it's just You you might say inspired, inspired by, by Okay, yes. that's fine. Mm-hmm. But not based on. Yeah. Um okay, uh now we're going to get into the acting categories, but before I do that, I'm just going to say I want to get th- get through all eight of these categories going over my predictions and the actual nominees. And then mm-hmm. after that, circle back to talk about who might win. Okay. Yes. Um, which is why I haven't been stopping to do that. Yes, that's fair. Um, let's do lead actor. Uh-huh. And then work our way down to supporting actress. Okay. I predicted the five nominees and lead actor would be uh, number one, Killian Murphy. Number two, Paul Giamatti mm-hmm. for The Holdovers. Number three, Bradley Cooper for Jewface. I'm sorry, for Maestro. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's just a joke. Nobody, nobody cares. It's just a joke. Uh, number four, Jeffrey Wright for American Fiction. Yeah. And number five, Leonardo DiCaprio for Killers of the Flower Moon. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I was right to put them in that order. Um, the one I wrote last is the one that was wrong. Mm, uh, good. Okay. Leo is not nominated. Instead, uh, the nominee I did not predict was Coleman Domingo, who was in a movie called Rustin. Right. About, uh, Baynard Rustin. I didn't see it. So you know more about it Do you know who Baynard Rustin is? I, I, I'm show my whiteness is showing. No, I do not. He's a um, civil rights leader mm-hmm. um, who was openly gay. Okay. Friends with Martin Luther King mm-hmm. Jr., not his dad. Uh-huh. Uh, and um, yeah, really inspiring. Like really was trying to be like, you know, if we're going to do this, we have to do it for all of us. And that's going to include, the, you know, the queers. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And, uh, yeah, he's a good, yeah. he's a, he's a, he's a, he's like a, he's like an incredibly cool dude. Like, mm-hmm. um, 
So I'm glad that I haven't seen that movie either, but I'm glad that um, that happened. That movie is on Netflix and and maybe I will give it a watch now that this nomination um, is uh, is out there. Yeah. Um, Rustin is an example of a movie that I never would have heard of if not for my engagement with finding out who people say is going to be nominated for these mm-hmm. awards. And this is going to come up again in a couple of categories we haven't gotten to. But as I've said, my process it has been evolving over the years for how I'm picking these nominations. Perhaps, mm-hmm. perhaps the next step in the evolution is that I may uh, one day, perhaps next year, cross a line that so far I've basically refused to cross, which is if this if this movie is absolutely nothing to me and I've mm-hmm. never heard of it except for this research, mm-hmm. I will not bother to include that in my predictions. Uh-huh. Um, it, it, it just... It just takes some of the fun out of it for me. Mm-hmm. If I'm like, not only have I not seen this movie, but like, uh, it, it's it's like, you know, seemed in seemed invisible to me. Yeah. And so, it wouldn't be uh, it wouldn't be me, uh, expressing myself through my there- predictions if I if I wrote that down. Um. Before we move on, there was also some controversy about Domingo Coleman. Coleman Domingo. Coleman Domingo. Damn. Um, because uh, people were praising a lot of the um, Hispanic uh, nominees this year, and a lot of them left out Coleman Domingo, hmm. um, who is a like an Afro Latino man. I see. Um, and so it was one of those things where <laughs> it was one of those things where it was like one person says something and then somebody else goes, um, actually, and then someone else goes, um, actually, mm-hmm. um, but I will. Oh, and the other thing that I want to say about Coleman Domingo is that man knows how to wear clothes. Mm-hmm. He, his fit at the golden globes was, stunning like he looked so he was wearing like a loose um like open collared button-down shirt but with like a jacket over his shoulders Mm -hmm. and then like pants that were just they were just tailored really well yeah anyway that's all i have to say about that but it was funny because some of the same criticisms that i that came up with barbie um and america ferrera and uh race also ended up coming up in uh, with uh, Coleman Domingo. Right. Gotcha. Um, indirectly, you just mentioned the Golden Globes. Yes. Which I've been leaving out of this conversation up to this point. Mm-hmm. And maybe I should save it for supporting. We still have another lead category to get through. But you may be thinking, I've I've talked about, you know, Googling what the experts are saying, you know, letting in more research into my process. Mm-hmm. What about the Golden Globes? Um, the, those nominees come out earlier and, and they've already happened. We know who the winners are. Mm-hmm. Um, I did want to bring up um, what those nominations look like um, because here's what, I, here's what I wasn't surprised by. 
Yeah. We've been over this before in some of the Golden Globes movie categories, but not all of them. Mm -hmm. They have double the categories, one for drama and one for comedy slash musical. Here's what I was surprised by that I don't remember this ever happening before. I looked up the nominees and in all of these categories where I expected to see five nominees, there were six. Oh, interesting. So supporting actor and actress are categories where the Globes do not have separate comedy and drama categories. Mm -hmm. Same is true for director. So in those cases, you can look at the nominees and go, Golden Globes did six. I have to do five for the Oscars. Mm -hmm. Maybe I just have to make one cut and the rest will be the same. In the case of lead actor and lead actress, um, they the Golden Globes basically have 12 nominees yes. where I have to come up with only five. Yes. Also, the, the Golden Globes screenplay nominations are not really relevant for the reverse reason. Mm-hmm. The Golden Globes have only one screenplay category. Mm-hmm. So where I had to come up with five predictions for original and five for adapted, the Golden Globes only had six general screenplay nominations. Mm-hmm. Let's do lead actress, and then yes. we may talk more about the Globes in supporting. Mm-hmm. My uh, predictions for the five nominees in lead actress are number one, Lily Gladstone in Killers of the Flower Moon. Mm-hmm. Number two, Emma Stone in Poor Things. Number three, Margot Robbie in Barbie. Mm -hmm. Number four, Carrie Mulligan in Maestro. Mm -hmm. And number five, Greta Lee in Past Lives. Mm -hmm. Uh, I wrote Greta Lee last. Um, That was a kind of one for me. Um, That was optimistic what I really wanted to happen. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, it was not pure naivete yeah she she did get a golden globe nomination Mm -hmm. uh so uh that makes it seem possible but as i said she's not one of five or even six she's one of 12 nominees for the golden globe um what i uh knew was more likely to happen is um sandra or maybe sandra Hooler, um, is nominated for Anatomy of a Fall. Mm. Um, I was wrong about Greta Lee. Um, but I also had to be wrong about Margot Robbie, and that leaves room for another person mm-hmm. that I didn't really consider, um, which is Annette Benning is nominated for a movie called Nyad. Oh. Which, which is also on Netflix, and maybe I'll give it a watch, but very similar to Rustin, which is also on Netflix. Just a movie that I never, ever would have heard of except for conversations and research about awards. And so I didn't really ever consider it as a possibility of something that I would write down. Yeah, and I love Annette Bening. Of of course. I wish American Beauty were different. (laughs) Sure. 1999's uh, best picture, right? That I believe that's right. Yeah, that sounds right. 
that's one of the ones that I just know is that, um, 19, uh, I think, I think, oh my God, do you know who distributed, do you know who distributed American Beauty? Uh, Miramax? DreamWorks. <laughs> oh, no, I did not know that. Sorry, that's just late. But yes, they did, they did win Best Picture that year. Yeah. I wish that held up in different ways. <laughs> Only 90s kids will remember. Um, the <laughs> no, the 90s kids were... If you're a 90s kid, you should not have been seeing American Beauty. You would have been too young. We're 90s kids and we're talking about it, Liz. I'm not a 90s kid, Will. You don't have to have been born in the 90s. <laughs> you were a kid in the 90s. <laughs> That's what makes you a 90s kid, not the year of your birth. I'm sorry, continue. I Go on. Let's do supporting actor. Mm-hmm. My five predictions were, number one, Robert Downey Jr. in Oppenheimer. Number two, Charles Melton in May, December. Number three, Ryan Gosling in Barbie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Number four, Willem Dafoe in Poor Things. And number five, Robert De Niro in Killers of the Flower Moon. Now, Mm -hmm. real quick, let's compare this with the six Golden Globe nominees. Mm Mm-hmm. Robert Downey Jr., Robert De Niro, Ryan Gosling, Charles Melton, Willem Dafoe, all names that I just said, right? Mm-hmm. And Mark Ruffalo, also in Poor Things, like Willem Dafoe. Oh, right, yes. So it is it has been brought to my attention that as unlikely as it sounds, mm-hmm. that two actors are going to be nominated in the same category for their roles in the same movie. Mm -hmm. Actually in the supporting categories that tends to come up. Yes. That's happened before. It's happened recording. It's happened before. And so it was a real possibility that that was going to happen again. But um, I decided to give my prediction to only one of them. Mm Mm-hmm. And I gave it to Willem Dafoe. Mm-hmm. I fucked up. <laughs> they nominated Mark Ruffalo. But that's not all. Mm-hmm. They threw another curveball. Mm-hmm. Because there's another big snub that people have been talking about. People are mostly talking about Barbie snubs. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people were surprised that Charles Melton, who is in May, December, was snubbed. Mm-hmm. And in his place is Sterling K. Brown, uh, who is in American Fiction. Oh, okay. Sterling K. Brown is a real knock-it-out-of-the-park actor. Absolutely. Um, I saw American Fiction. I liked American Fiction. I knew with near certainty that Jeffrey Wright would be nominated for his part in American Fiction. Sure, I sort of considered the possibility that Sterling K. Brown would also be nominated, but Mm -hmm. I just thought that his part seemed a little too slight Mm -hmm. compared with his competition for getting a nomination in this category, but I was wrong. I I never finished it, and I need to, but it was, like, so emotionally draining. But, like, um, This Is Us started uh-huh. airing when I was on maternity leave. Yeah. 
Um, which I think, or that's not true. It started airing right before because, you know, I think I must have mentioned this on the first episode of this podcast. Sounds correct. Yeah. <laughs> which is that the way that This Is Us starts is with Mandy Moore's character giving birth to triplets and one of the triplets dies. And I watched that episode while I was literally in labor. Mm-hmm. Um, but that show, which was like, I think very emotionally manipulative, <laughs> yeah. as I think we've discussed in the time travel episode, mm-hmm. um, cause I think I mentioned that, I mentioned that the time, that in the time travel episode that this is us is doing the same thing as time travel, but it's just not literally time travel. Right. Um, but every, for, for that show, which was, you know, I think a little bit manipulative and had some really good acting in it, especially from like Mandy Moore. Sterling K. Brown was the standout. And I'm, I'm any, as much, even if his part was maybe not as robust as it should have been to get such a nom- nomination, I'm always happy to see him succeed. He just seems, he's just like yeah. a real delight. Absolutely. Yeah. Despite me failing to predict it, I don't, <laughs> I don't argue with it. I think yeah. it's a great, it's a great nomination. Yeah. Fun fact about American Fiction, uh, it was written and directed by Cord Jefferson, who is mm-hmm. from Tucson, Arizona, <gasps> where I currently live. <laughs> and I saw American Fiction at the Loft Cinema, which uh, presented the film with uh, a uh, an introduction by Cord Jefferson, uh, recorded specifically for audiences at, at the Loft. It That's was, so nice. Yes, it was only uh, only for that for that one theater. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm I'm glad to see the success uh, that the movie's getting, and I hope that it's it's his first uh, feature film, mm-hmm. and I hope it won't be his last. I hope that he doesn't uh, die. Uh, I was going to say <laughs> go to television, but yeah, I guess the the show business equivalent of what you said. Yeah. Um. Okay, that just leaves um, supporting actress. Yes. So uh, let's uh, let me say what the Globe nominees are first. Mm-hmm. The six Globe nominees in this category are Devo- Divine Joy Randolph in The Holdovers, Emily Blunt in Oppenheimer, Danielle Brooks in The Color Purple, Jodie Foster in Nyad. I already said my piece about Nyad when mm-hmm. I mentioned Annette Benning. Julianne Moore in May, December, and this might interest you, Rosamund Pike in Saltburn. Yes. Okay. So uh, I had these six rolling around in my head as I wrote down these five predictions. Uh-huh. Number one, Divine Joy Randolph. Uh-huh. Number two, Emily Blunt. Number uh-huh. three, Julianne Moore. Number four, America Ferreira in Barbie. Uh-huh. And number five, Penelope Cruz in Ferrari. Oh, so, interesting. So I made two diversions from the six that you heard in the mm-hmm. Globes nominees. And one of them paid off and the other one did not. Mm-hmm. Um, I was correct about Divine Joy Randolph and Emily Blunt and Diversion America Ferreira. I was wrong about Penelope Cruz, uh, and also wrong about Juliet Moore, uh, <laughs> not uh, nominated for her performance in May December. Instead, uh, Oscar saw fit to nominate Jodie Foster in Nyad and Danielle Brooks in The Color Purple, two movies that I have not seen and which I uh, decided to 
write off and now I am reaping what I sowed. The, re- <laughs> the rewards of such choices. So, uh, or the uh, consequences as it, as it were, <laughs> the, the punishments. So um, to recap, um, you heard me get 10 out of 10, three out of five mm-hmm. in director, five out of five in original screenplay, four out of five in adapted screenplay, four out of five in lead actor, three out of five in lead actress, three out of five in supporting actor, and three out of five in supporting actress. For a grand total of mm-hmm. 35 correct predictions out of a possible 45 is this the best you've ever done it has to be it is the best i've ever done i think it's by a pretty narrow margin okay i mean you got 10 out of 10 on the well that's obviously unlike anything that i've done yes yeah but But it's um, it's unlike anything you've ever done and in the biggest number possible yes that's right so um but it doesn't change that there's a number of three out of fives here. Mm-hmm. I think the best that I have done prior to this year was 75% correct. And okay. 35 out of 45 means this is 77% okay. correct. Okay. So that's why I say narrow margin. Yeah. So uh, you would think that we might be done, right? But we're not done. Um, let's go back to the beginning and talk about uh, who might win. Yes. As I said... Uh, the Oscars are over a month away. Yes. Voting is still a month away. Mm-hmm. Um, my predictions are that I state today are not my final predictions. Mm-hmm. I may change my mind uh, because new information may come to light. So nobody that, can sue Will, guys. That's right. Don't uh, don't hold me to this. And if you quote me, please include the date. Uh, <laughs> and this long disclosure statement. This is recorded uh, January 27th, 2024. Uh, Do you know who the favorite is to win Best Picture? I actually don't know who the favorite is. The favorite to win Best Picture is Oppenheimer. Yeah, that makes sense. Because people like serious movies, Will. It's got some fun parts. (laughs) I haven't seen it, but... Have you seen the trailer? They put one of the fun parts in the trailer. (laughs) You know what? I'm sure I have seen the trailer, but I don't remember it offhand. I'm thinking the moment I'm thinking of is when they're getting ready to do the test and and Killian Murphy and Matt Damon are in a room together and and um I can't remember the exact dialogue but it Killian Murphy says something that leads Matt Damon to say are you saying that when we push that button there's a chance that all life <laughs> on earth is is wiped out and and Killian Murphy says what do you want from theory alone? <laughs> and it's designed to be kind of comedic. It's, yeah, yeah. Um, so, okay, my assumption is that my prediction will be Oppenheimer to win Best mm-hmm. Picture. Uh, same, uh, my assumption is that my prediction will be Christopher Nolan to win Best Director. Mm-hmm. He's the favorite. Um, screenplay categories, I don't know what the favorites are. I haven't done enough research to know. Um, when I listed my predictions in order of my confidence, I put the holdovers first in Mm -hmm. original screenplay. So I'm guessing that will be my prediction to win. And I put Oppenheimer first 
in adapted. So I'm guessing that will be my prediction to win in that category. Mm-hmm. But I could really see, you know, in the next month, learning that the favorite is actually something else and going with something else. Yeah. Lead actor. Do you know who the favorite is to win in this category? No, I don't. Well, the answer is there kind of isn't one. Interesting. And so unless you asked me a trick question. Indeed. It, is as, the takeaway here. <laughs> as is my want. Um, <laughs> no, uh, uh, I, I believe that that popular opinion as of this moment is that this is a two-man race between Killian Murphy and Paul Giamatti. Okay. And, and, and you seem skeptical. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that didn't change anything. You still seem skeptical. <laughs> I'm, let me make sure that I know who Paul Giamatti is really quick. That's an interesting person to not be certain you know who they are. Oh, be- this guy. Uh, give it to Killian. Okay, maybe. Man, this guy I, has a mustache in his life, you know? I will say that if Paul Giamatti wins, I think that there's a non-zero chance of that. And I think that the conversation about that win might be similar to the conversation about last year when Jamie Lee Curtis won an Oscar. Mm-hmm. It's like, did they... Look, they're sort of different. Mm-hmm. They're different in a lot of ways. I'm I'm not making a very perfect comparison, but yeah. I'm specifically talking about the part of the conversation that is like Jamie Lee Curtis, beloved by so many for so many years. Mm-hmm. Paul Giamatti, beloved by very many for for a number of years, and yeah, for sure, maybe due for sort of a career Oscar. Um, on top of the fact that. He's very good in this very good movie. But Killian Murphy was in 28 Days Later. Indeed. And some people forget all three Christopher Nolan Batman movies. Yes. Yes. He was Scarecrow. Yes. He, 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 he I am not- very proud of myself for pulling that out as quickly as I did. <laughs> as you should be. Yeah. Um, small side note about... Um, Oh, he actually talks about that in the interview. He talks about how Oppenheimer was the first time he was really the. He's always been in. Whenever he's been in Christopher Nolan movies, he's been like smaller parts, and how yeah. this was the first time. And, right. and he talks about that relationship, and it's interesting. Yeah, that, um, that tracks. Small side note about that is that there. So there is technically a sequel to Twenty Eight Days Later called Twenty Eight Weeks Later. Excuse me, have you heard the news? And so that's what I was going to say is that yeah. there is now going to be another sequel, and <laughs> Anna. Sarah's sister was like, well, is it going to be 28 years later? Like, what, are we doing? what are we doing here? I mean, yes. The, an- <laughs> the answer is that's not a joke. That is what it is going to be. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, we're, we're very excited they, they They missed the window to make 28 months later. And, <laughs> and so, so yeah, it is going to be 28 they years later. They missed the window. They absolutely did. They could have done it and they missed their chance. I, f- I love, I, um, the part of the reason I was talking to Hannah about this is that I learned that I think that's her, like one of her top horror movie, like horror movie, horror type movies. And that's, as you know, Kenny's favorites. I think that's Kenny's favorite movie full stop. I'm very happy for him. <laughs> so he's very, we're very excited. That's my way of saying I don't, 
hold that movie in very high regard. <laughs> you don't like it because it was recorded on... <laughs> a Game Boy camera, yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's part of the charm. You've And you've got Christopher Eccleston as a bad guy. You've got... Is it Brendan Gleeson? I think um, I, I think it's Brendan Gleeson, right? Maybe. Yes. Um, is that the guy who played Mad-Eye Moody? Yep. Yes. He's, He's great. He's amazing in that. He's great. Um... Okay, I, I I bet you probably know who the favorite to win in lead actress is. Is it Emma Stone? No, it's a different stone. Oh, who is it? It's Lily Gladstone. Oh, yes, because she won the Globe, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Yes, I will be very and, um, pleased if she wins. Did you see that she was voted most likely to win an Oscar in high school? Yes, I did see that yearbook photo, yes. <laughs> um, every, everyone everywhere all at once uh, wants to see her win. And yeah. it will be the upset of the century if she does not win. Yes. And I also want to say really quickly that her high school class is throwing a watch party specifically. Yeah. Isn't that so nice? That's great. That's a great narrative. That's <laughs> just one part of the... Gr- I mean, look, obviously it goes out saying that uh, there are other parts to this narrative that make it great. One of them is she is the first Native American actress yes. to be nominated uh, in the category. Also, she's a good actress. <laughs> also, she's great in a great movie. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm sure everyone will be really happy to see her win. She'll probably have a great speech. And yeah. I hope that she has a great career to follow. Um, who uh, do you think is the favorite to win in supporting actor? I don't know. I well, the winner of the Globe is Robert Downey Jr. Okay. And so I'm thinking he's the favorite to win the Oscar. I think if he has any competition from his fellow nominees, I would say perhaps that competition is Ryan Gosling. Yeah, that makes because people really loved him as Ken. Yeah, and justifiably so. I he's mean, he hilarious. <laughs> he comes out, yeah, looking like a daisy. Um, and um, but but I guess I I I think my money's going to be on Robert Downey Jr. Okay, has he won any Oscars? Mm-mm. Okay, I, I didn't mean, think he, so, he, but he's been Iron Man for so long. I know that's why I was sort of like wondering if you know he um, did, for Kiss Kiss Bang Bang or <laughs> or or Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, actually, wait a second. He didn't win, but do you know? What he was nominated for? No. Oh my god! I need to. Okay. <laughs> I love anything that can make Will breathy with wonderment is one of my favorite things. This is so important that I. <laughs> okay, I'm looking up awards Robert Downey Jr. on IMDb. Of course, it's not loading immediately. Yeah, why are you looking on IMDb, my guy? Well, where would you look? Wikipedia, because there's okay. less information. Okay. I mean that, like, obviously IMDb is more comprehensive, but if I'm looking for something major with less information, I'm going to look at it. Okay, not what I was thinking of. Fun fact, 1993, Robert Downey Jr. is nominated for Best Actor for Chaplin. What? He doesn't win. Played yeah. Charlie Chaplin in the 90s. Uh-huh. 2009, uh-huh. Robert Downey Jr. 
is nominated for Best Supporting Actor. What do you suppose that could be for? What year was it? 2009. Robert Downey Jr. What was I doing? I was falling in love with Kenny in 2009. Is nominated for an Oscar for his role. I thank God you're sitting down. Could you like brace yourself? Could you like hold on okay, to something? Here. For Tropic Thunder. When he was in blackface? Yes. <laughs> Which I if I'm remembering correctly, they were parodying that blackface That's is bad. That's the joke, yes. Yes, it's not just that and they did it successfully hypothetically. I haven't seen the film, but that's my understanding of it. Yes, okay. That's fucking... Oh, he didn't win that one? No, strangely (laughs) enough. Who won that year? I want to now... Please tell me who won that year Uh, if you can find out. Now we have to find out who won. (laughs) I have to know. I have to know what beat up No, actually, honestly, I wish that I hadn't looked it up. Because if you had just made me think about it, I would have... Think about it harder, Will. It's too late now. I'm looking at it on Wikipedia. (laughs) But if I had just thought about it, I could have said, oh, 2009, freshman year of college for me. Yeah. The year that I won... The year that I did the best I've ever done at predicting the winners. Yeah. The SU Film Club hosted the viewing party in Charlie's Coffee House. Uh-huh. And I had seen Slumdog Millionaire and I just went down the ballot picking Slumdog Millionaire and I got 17 right that night. <laughs> but do you know what else that night was? No. That, 2008 was the year of The Dark Knight. 2009 right. was the year that Heath Ledger posthumously won. So it was won. Heath, Le- Heath Ledger. It was Heath Leather. The <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. in that category in that year, yes. Oh my God, what a weird year. So um, that's, uh, there's only one category uh, left to circle back to, and yes. that's uh, supporting actress. Do you know, there is, it's not a trick question this time. There is a favorite. Do you know who the favorite is? Is it America Ferreira? No, sorry. I wanted her to win though. Sorry, but it's, it is it is good news in my opinion. Okay, who is it? It's Divine Joy Randolph. Oh, that the, also sounds fine. For yes, the holdover. Yeah. She won uh, the Golden Globe. And look, if she were to not win the Oscar, it would not be as huge an upset as Lily Gladstone. Not, yeah. But still, she is like a lock, a shoe in. Yeah. Easy favorite. It would be a huge shock if she does not win well i have a question for you that i've been avoiding asking this whole night because i sort of was hoping it would come up yes um what is the holdovers about i've never heard of this movie before (laughs) i recommend it do you have peacock no oh i might soon actually by which i mean somebody offered me their login so we'll see as of uh well i say as of this recording but i i'm not looking it up right now it may have changed. They, yes. These things as are, of you know, as of, the, of this moment. As far as I know, as of the, these things are so annoying. I, I hate the bane of my existence is wanting to watch a particular movie and figuring out how I am going to watch it. Yeah, Kenny too. Um, the Holdovers, I believe, is on Peacock. It is, um, I'm glad you brought this up actually because um, uh, I I want to talk about the Christmas time canon. I I... Maybe I've brought this up on the podcast before, but I can't recall. A mm-hmm. um, couple of years ago, I made the decision every year, one new movie 
enters the canon of movies to rewatch at Christmas time. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year it was Elvis. Mm-hmm. This year it is the Holdovers. The, oh, hold- okay. the Holdovers is uh, set at Christmas time in the 1970s. Um, it takes place at an all boys boarding school. Uh-huh. And it is about the unfortunate students who need to stay at the boarding school over the holiday break mm-hmm. because for one reason or another, they can't go home to their families. Oh, and, that's deeply my shit. <laughs> and Paul Giamatti is the unfortunate uh, professor mm. who uh, has, has the job of supervising them. Yes. And Devoy, Divine Joy, that's the second time I've done that. Sorry. Uh, Divine Joy Randolph is the uh, uh, is a woman who works in the kitchen. Oh. Okay. Um, and uh, they are the, the the there are three basically there are three in the eyes of the way that these things are categorized. Paul Giamatti is the lead, and then there are two supporting, but they're the two supporting are almost at the level of like there are three co leads, and okay. it's Paul Giamatti, Divine Joy Randolph, and somebody who's not in the awards conversation but deserves to be uh who plays like the main student okay cool um which is a great transition to talk about why we're still not done recording this episode of the podcast we have to talk about the william awards the william awards the most prestigious uh honor that uh, anyone in show business can receive you're gonna get it in the mail and uh, this, uh, uh, I, I want to say in a few categories uh, what my nominees and winners are, uh, my favorites of the year. Um, I guess I can look at my letterbox to tell you where my top 10 of the year currently stands. Yeah. I'm just pulling that up right now. 2023. Okay, as of January 27th, 2024, my top 10 films of 2023 are number 10, Poor Things, number nine, Guardians of the Galaxy, volume three, mm-hmm. number eight, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. <laughs> what? The D&D movie is really good. Okay, I haven't seen it, obviously. It's really, really fun, and you <laughs> okay. should see it. It's okay. great. I accept. Number seven, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part One. Uh-huh. Number six, The Holdovers. Uh-huh. Number five, Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh-huh. Number four, Past Lives. Number three, Oppenheimer. Number two, The Boy and the Heron. Mm-hmm. And number one, you already know, it's Asteroid City. Yep. Uh, which brings us to Director. Um, I have picked five nominees for the William Awards for Best Director, and one of them is a crossover with the Oscars, and that is Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. But I would also nominate Greta Gerwig for Barbie, and Celine Song for Past Lives, mm-hmm. and Hayao Miyazaki for The Boy and the Heron. But my winner is Wes Anderson for Asteroid City. Mm-hmm. Now let's do... Um, He's shocked that he won. 
he knows he's been a real real hard sell to you the past couple of years. So. In, indeed, yes. Um, oh, one small note about Asteroid City. I saw a tweet which was the um, stop motion little alien holding up the mm-hmm. uh, the asteroid. Asteroid. The titular and, asteroid. And it just said he was robbed. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> That reminds me, I didn't say Margot Robbie. I had the chance to say Margot Robbie, and I missed it. So my winner for original screenplay, obviously, would be Asteroid City. Mm-hmm. My winner for adapted screenplay uh, would be uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, real quick, uh, runners up for original screenplay, I listed The Boy and the Heron. Suzume, which is also an anime movie I recommend. Mm-hmm. Past Lives and the Holdovers and Adapted, My Runners Up, or Oppenheimer, Poor Things, American Fiction, and Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, which, yes, is an adapted screenplay. Thank you very much. <laughs> you could argue you could argue that. You could argue with that. That's very easy, I think, to say as an adapted screenplay. Um, there are uh, physical fucking books. <laughs> sure. Um, let's talk about lead actor. So... This is the category where, um, if I'm being honest about my personal favorites, I have the most crossover with uh, the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I also uh, nominate Bradley Cooper, Jeffrey Wright, Paul Giamatti, and Killian Murphy. Um, I haven't seen Rustin, so I can't speak to the fifth Oscar nominee, Coleman Domingo, who we discussed earlier. Mm-hmm. Now I want to bring up uh, for your consideration pages again, mm-hmm. because out of curiosity, I looked up the Asteroid City FYC page, mm-hmm. and I think it might interest you to learn that they made the decision that the entire cast of that movie is an ensemble, mm-hmm. and so no one is lead. Mm-hmm. But as we've seen from Barbie and the screenplay debacle, the Academy does not need to acknowledge how the studios categorize right. uh, people and things in their FYC pages, and neither does the voting body of the William Awards. Um, <laughs> I have decided that Jason Schwartzman is the lead actor of Asteroid City, and okay. he Fair. is he is my my winner. Yeah, um, little sweetie. Lead actress. Um, I also decided Scarlett Johansson is a lead, and so I've included her, not my winner, but in the nominees. Mm-hmm. Also, I have to agree with the Oscars, Lily Gladstone and Emma Stone I've included here. Mm-hmm. I've also included Margot Robbie and Barbie. But my winner, as you might have guessed if you were listening, as I talked about this category earlier, is Greta Lee, who is the star of Past Lives, uh, which is a must-see movie. Also a movie I had not heard of. I'm just going to put it on my list. I have a running list of things to watch now, by the way, so I don't forget. That's great. That's uh, one thing you can use Letterboxd for. So. Oh, you're, like, are you trying to pressure me onto Letterboxd? Consider uh, signing up and consider... For your consideration. For your consideration, <laughs> join Letterboxd, follow me on Letterboxd, and start liking my reviews on Letterboxd. I like and... your reviews every time you post them on Facebook. I think I get push notifications for them. Well, you can get them straight from the source if you <laughs> join Letterboxd. Um, supporting actor. 
I think I have just one crossover with the Oscars, which is uh, I've nominated Ryan Gosling for Barbie. Mm-hmm. I've also nominated the uh, snubbed Charles Melton for May, December. Mm-hmm. Um, I've gone with a different supporting actor in Oppenheimer. I've nominated Matt Damon, uh, instead of Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. I've nominated Tom Hanks in Asteroid City. Yeah. Uh, but my winner is Dominic Sessa, who is in The Holdovers, who mm-hmm. is the other person I was just alluding to earlier as I was explaining The Holdovers to you. Dominic Sessa is sort of the third lead. Um, and I think that he is uh, great. And um, I don't really understand why he seems to have been totally left out of the awards conversation. Yeah. Uh, and finally, supporting actress, I have to agree uh, with the Oscars uh, and nominate Divine Joy Randolph in The Holdovers, but that's the only crossover I've allowed myself with the Oscars. My other nominees in this category are Iman Vellani in The Marvels, mm-hmm. talking about Ms. Marvel herself making her big screen debut this past year. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm a fan. Ruby Cruz, uh, do you know who this is? I pause here because you told me you saw this movie. She's in, um, is she across from Io Debris in uh, Bottoms? Maybe not who you're thinking of, but yes, Bottoms is correct. Io uh, Debris and Rachel Sennett are co- co-leads of Bottoms. My nomination... I, whenever I watch these movies, I just have the Wikipedia page up and I'm looking at each of the actresses. So that's why I recognize the name. My nomination in supporting is for Ruby Cruz, who is the third girl. In yes, she Bottoms. is. Yes. Oh, yeah. She was great. Her hair mm-hmm. was great. Yep. She's excellent. I've also nominated Tilda Swinton for her part in The Killer. Tilda. But my winner uh, is from a movie that uh, you seem to scoff at. Uh, being my number seven movie of the year. Um, Haley Atwell in Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you dropped the part one. I don't know if you know this, but they have dropped the part one from the title of the movie uh, upon releasing it outside of theaters. That's funny. It um, somewhat underperformed at the box office. And I got to believe that they are thinking that if they later release a movie that has the same title, but part two instead, that even fewer people are going to see that movie. Yeah, because they'll think, well, I didn't see part one, so. And so they will trick people into seeing part two by calling it something else, and therefore they are no longer calling the last one part one. Yeah. Uh, but Haley Atwell, you know who that is? Uh-uh. That is Peggy Carter from the MCU. Uh, oh, Okay. Captain America's love interest. Um, And uh, she is a new addition to the Mission Impossible franchise. And she has, like, there's a lot of people in the movie, but she has, like, basically the second most important role Uh after Tom Cruise in the new movie. And she is so unbelievably charming. I can't (laughs) stand it. Uh, so that's why she's my winner there. That's sort of as a side note how I feel about Jacob Elordi in um, Saltburn. 
Interesting. There's like, he's just like, there's a bunch of montages where it's just like him being beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I don't even think he's that attractive, but like, Mm. he's one of those people that I'm like, you're not attractive, but then I see him move. He feels similar to Timothee for to me, where it's like, I don't get it until I see him move. And then I'm like, oh, okay. But yeah, just a bunch. But he's one of those guys that like, he's really tall. As mm-hmm. I think you know, but he's also like sort of unnaturally skinny, mm-hmm. so that like none of his clothes fit right. And like mm-hmm. if you put him in a button down shirt that's a little bit, it's like a little bit too wide and a little bit too short. Mm-hmm. It's kind of you can't can't say no to that. Yeah, fair enough. I um I I'm undecided about whether I'm going to bother to watch that movie. Um, I think. Maybe the long. answer is maybe one day I'll be bored enough, but uh, have it on while something else is happening. Hopefully not. Uh, hand in hand with giving out those William Awards, I also want to give a few shout outs, which are sort of uh, observations that I've made. So something I, uh, I, I've noticed is, um, you know, I mentioned Critic Circle Awards, and I don't know if every Critic Circle does it the same way, but something I've seen occasionally is um, when they give out uh, one of their awards to an actor, they won't name just one performance or one movie if that actor had multiple movies that year. Mm. They, They won't limit it to one. They'll say like, this actress gets, you know, this award for, uh, blank and also blank and it's sort of like for the year that they had yeah which is lovely honestly and so i just wanted to point out a few actors for the year that they had for being in multiple things Uh and you're going to notice a pattern most of these are due to asteroid city interesting okay jason schwartzman was not only in asteroid city he was in spider-man across the spider-verse and hunger games and the Hunger Games, the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, which I didn't think of because I haven't seen it. But you're absolutely right. Yeah. I haven't seen it either, but I actually just read the book of it. Mm. And this is like sort of a tangent, but like I did not think that she could pull off having – because when that book came – when it was announced that she was writing that book, it's from the perspective of Cornelia Snow, who's like the big bad. Yeah. And I thought, I don't need – like everybody was like, we don't need this book. And I just want to say she pulled it off. She absolutely made a book where you're sitting there empathizing less and less and less and less with this close first person. Or it's not first person. It's close third person mm-hmm. POV. Yeah. Um, and I think that people have been a little bit critical of the movie in the sense that um, you don't get his internal thoughts, which mm-hmm. like is what creates that balance and makes yeah. him feel so particularly devious. Right. Um. But I've, heard, Su- I've heard the movie's pretty good. and, and I've heard I, it's pretty good, too. But I Suzanne Collins wins, I guess, is my point. She wins over yeah. Harry Potter. She wins over Twilight. She wins. Oh, uh-huh. Like, those books are fucking solid. And I, mm. I sort of knew it when I read them the first time. That's and, interesting. I mean, it's like, it's because it's not, besides the fact that the writing, I think, is pretty good and convincing. I think the names are goofy, if I'm being honest. That's, like, my biggest criticism. Like, when I started reading this book, I was like, fuck these names. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But um, she's like, 
really deftly anti-capitalist in a way that's mm. like incredible and sort of anti-American, if you know what I mean. Yes, sure. Yeah, anti-empire. Um, yeah, in a way that I feel like. Like, I think Sarah was, or I forget if it was Sarah or Hannah, because we were talking about this, had basically said, like, I sort of don't know how she got away with it. Mm-hmm. Right. Well. Because it's so damning. And, yeah, like, so but, one-to-one in its metaphor. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, blind eye for that kind of thing, though. Like Possibly, yeah. But anyway, continue. Sorry. Go on. <laughs> I so, yes, I, I have a whole. Jason Schwartzman in the Hunger Games. I have a whole list that I've gotten through one item on. <laughs> Um, well, you pointed out that Margot Robbie is in Asteroid City in yes. addition to being in Barbie. Yes, she is. Um, Tilda Swinton, I mentioned a moment, a moment ago, was in Asteroid City, but also mm-hmm. in um, David Fincher's The Killer. Mm-hmm. Um, Maya Hawke is not only in Asteroid City, she's also in Maestro. Right, okay. Sophia Lillis is not only in Asteroid City, she's also in uh, Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, a movie that you apparently... Look down your nose at. <laughs> uh, I didn't know it was good. I trust you that it was good. You know I'm here for a good time. And 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 that's why you should watch it. I will. Um, uh, Sandra Huller is nominated for uh, an Oscar for her part in Anatomy of a Fall, but she is also in The Zone of Interest, the oh, other international movie. That's uh, so in interesting. Yeah. Um, but the... But the real reason I made this list and the real shout out that I want to give is to the person who I think had the best year in show business in 2023. Uh-huh. Of course, I'm talking about Iowa Debery. Yes, I love her. Who is the co-lead of Bottoms, but also she was in theater camp, which you mm-hmm. also said you saw. Mm-hmm. But also she was the voice of April O'Neil in the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. And incredible in that. And then not to mention the fact that there's another screen besides the silver one. There's the small screen where uh-huh. she's on the bear and she just won a golden globe for it as she yes. deserved, um, which I was so pleased to see. And I'm a fan, not only because of the bear and the things I've just listed, but also yeah. because for a number of years, I've known her as a, a guest who pops up on some of my favorite podcasts. Yes. <laughs> and so I've just known that she's a funny person um, for a while. And uh, I'm just uh, delighted to uh, uh, see her success continue to skyrocket. Thank you for, by the way, telling me how to say her name a couple of podcasts ago, because yes. as I said, repeating her, it's like a factory where they make Debra's. Okay. Also, a if I'm remembering correctly, Iowa Debra was also, I think this was in 2023, but maybe I'm maybe it was in season one, on Abbott Elementary. Oh, I haven't seen it, so I wouldn't know. So she, um, I, I, I know that she was on Abbott Elementary. I am not remembering if the timing is technically for 2023 or not. Mm-hmm. But she guests, she's not like a regular, but she guests as um, Quinta Brunson's little sister. Okay. So I did you see the um video of them at the Golden Globes like hugging each other? No. So so you know Quinto Brunson won for Abbott Elementary and then mm-hmm. Io Debri had won for the Bear. And mm-hmm. there's a video of them backstage and you know Quinto Brunson is like the shortest person. Mm-hmm. There's a video of them hugging each other and Quinta's head is just fully in Io's boobs. And then she pulls back and goes, "Bitch, what the fuck?" And 
and then just like hugs her again. And it's so joyful because it's not just that they're both wildly successful. They do actually have this like very specific crossover where Io was mm. on her show. Yeah. Um, That's neat. I love to see it. Um, so uh, now just a few parting thoughts uh, mm-hmm. about other uh, Oscars categories uh, that I don't make predictions in, but they're out there. They exist. Um, this is sort of, this is old business. Mm-hmm. Uh, only a couple of months ago, we talked about uh, Henry Sugar and the other Netflix shorts. And I brought up the question of whether Wes Anderson was going to be nominated in the short film category. Right. Do you know the answer? He was, right? Yes. Henry yes. Sugar. Yep. The wonderful story of Henry Sugar is nominated. And I assume it will win unless... It's true what that one person said on the internet that they really want to use the category to jumpstart somebody Smaller who careers, is yeah. early on in their career. So maybe it would look weird if they gave this award to Wes friggin' Anderson over some people who are just starting out and doing their best. Um, yeah. But also maybe he'll win because he, you know, made a Wes Anderson movie as a short and why wouldn't that win? Yeah. Um, it's like candy. The um, nomination, the, the category that I am maybe going to be the most edge of my seat for is animated feature. Yeah. Because Spider-Verse has already won before. I don't know if mm-hmm. you remember this, but um, Spider-Verse beat I mean, it beat other things too, but I remember it as beating Isle of Dogs when it won. Yeah. Um, this year, if it wins, it's going to beat The Boy and the Heron. Um, and they're both great. I think it should go to The Boy and the Heron, but there's a lot of people very staunchly in the Spider-Verse camp. So, yeah. Um, sort, of, I, sort of for us, it's like... Sounds good either way. <laughs> it's sort of win-win, but at the same time, I have a favorite. And uh, yeah. I, want my, I want my favorite to win. Um, and it, and I could really see either thing happening. It's like, on the one hand, I'm, I'm thinking like Spider-Verse is a juggernaut. There's a no way it can't win. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I'm thinking like, for the first time in 10 years and maybe for the last time ever, there's a new Hayao Miyazaki movie. Like, how could you not? Yeah, I mean, to, he's going to die at some point. Um, I mean... Have you seen I, the tweet that's like, Disney, oh, I guess we're running out of inspiration. And then it's like, Studio Ghibli, we can't stop this old man from creating the most yes. beautiful thing you've ever seen with the right. freakiest little dudes. <laughs> I did see that. Yes, that was, that was very funny. It's such a good tweet. We need to dig that out. This reminds me... Um, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll try to find that tweet to link to it in the show notes. And then I also want to put something in the show notes that I thought I was going to bring up by now, but I didn't even, I have notes and I didn't write it down and I forgot. I don't know how I thought I was going to work this into the conversation, but I just wanted to mention David Ehrlich's video countdown top top 25 movies of the year, video countdowns. This, oh, okay. there's this film critic, David Ehrlich who every year edits a video where he lays out his top 25 movies of the year, but he does it in such a way where he has just 
cut clips of the movies together and set them to different songs. He doesn't do any commentary. He doesn't appear. He just edits them like super cuts. Art, art, art. <laughs> and they're and they're and they're brilliant. Yeah. Now I've known about this for years, but never watched it until this year. Uh-huh. Because I thought I'm not really a fan of this guy. And the yeah. reason and the reason is because he is sometimes a guest on the Blank Check podcast, mm. which I always listen to, and I am and he's not Sorry, but he's not my favorite guest on there. Yeah. And then I don't read a lot of film criticism, I should be ashamed to say. But look, there was a lot of discourse about Joker when it came out. And it yeah. was hard not to be aware of what people were writing about it. And I read something that he wrote about it. And I thought what he had to say was very stupid. Yeah, that's fair. And so I thought, uh, this guy, this is not my guy. Yeah. But I caved this year and I watched his new countdown and I was like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it I, sounds like you might not like what he talks about, but maybe he's just really good at editing. <laughs> he, he's, uh, he, I think he's been making something very special for a number of years. And <laughs> by the way, not only did it, do I think that it's very cool what he did editing it, but I did find myself very enthusiastically agreeing with his opinion that he was expressing interesting spe specifically about his top three movies of yeah. the year which i won't spoil but he's got a great top three nice so look for that in the show notes and uh now there's one more uh, uh element of this year that i found interesting and so i wanted to talk about and it has to do with the international category yes so we have, may have talked about this before, but do you know how this works in terms of movies being f eligible for this? Uh, I feel like we did talk about this, but remind me. The movies are submitted by the countries that they're from. Right. And they yes. can only submit one movie a year. That's right. So... What The question that I want to ask you is, I want you to imagine that you're France. Oui, oui, oui. Poulet. And you've got this movie called Anatomy of a Fall. Uh-huh. That you know... Anatomy of a Fall? Oui, oui. Is, you, you know is a real contender. Mm -hmm. Because it's very well received and it's got all this awards buzz and recognition already. Mm -hmm. And you're France. Oui, oui. And so you, uh, your, your people, they've made more than one movie in a year. S'il vous plaît. You've got kind of, you know, out, you're no Hollywood, but you've got kind of a robust, you know, cinema landscape. Mm-hmm. You can only submit one movie. What do you do? Uh, a not anatomy of a fall. <laughs> so this is the question <laughs> that I find interesting. Yeah. Is what is the smart play? Yeah. Is it to submit anatomy of a fall knowing the acclaim that it already has and that it's bound to have? Or 
Do you try to highlight another movie? Knowing that it's likely that regardless of what you do in this process, uh-huh. Anatomy of a Fall may be nominated for Best Picture mm-hmm. and other categories as well. Mm-hmm. And so you have an opportunity to submit a different movie mm-hmm. in this one category. Meaning you can't get Anatomy of a Fall nominated in the international film category, even though from America's perspective, it's an international film, which is the smart play. I don't know. I guess it depends on what your goal is. Exactly. And I don't know what France's goal was. I can only speculate. When they submitted a different movie, they submitted submitted a movie called The Taste of Things, Ah. which is not nominated for international feature (laughs) and so now france doesn't have a movie in that category when they obviously would have had a shoe in with anatomy of a fall so now that anatomy of a fall is nowhere to be seen in that category it seems obvious to me that the winner in that category is going to be the zone of interest that's Mm -hmm. the only one that's also nominated for best picture Mm mm-hmm um, we could also talk about song. I thought that it was just kind of a fun fact that in the Golden Globes, there are six nominees for original song and three of them are from Barbie. Yeah. Um, in the case of the Oscars, there are five nominees and two of them are from Barbie. Mm-hmm. The winner of the Golden Globe was the Billie Eilish song from Barbie. I thought it was I'm Just Ken. What am I thinking of? Well, that was also nominated. I thought that I'm just Ken one and Ryan Gosling didn't go on stage. What am I thinking of? When did that happen? I don't know what you're talking about unless you're right. And I just don't know. <laughs> yet. Let me look. I'm looking at Wikipedia right now. And Wikipedia says that the winner of the Golden Globe for best original song was what was I made for? Okay, let me look this up then really. Keep keep talking. I'm going to look this up. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell. So my assumption is that that's the favorite to win the Oscar as well, which would not be Billie Eilish's first Oscar. She recently prevented Lin-Manuel Miranda from getting his EGOT uh, by winning for her James Bond song instead of his Encanto song. Yeah. Okay, it was the Critics' Choice Awards. Okay. And I'm just Ken won over what was I made for. Mm-hmm. And Ryan Gosling made a face like, that's wrong. And mm. then did not go up on stage to accept the award. Oh, interesting. Okay. I'm so surprised th- you didn't know this. I would have brought it up way sooner. I also no. thought it was at the Golden Globes because I was not fully paying attention. But Well, that to me just confirms that I guess there's no way that I'm just Ken is going to win the Oscar because the performer of the song is on the record saying, I think that this song should not win an award. (laughs) Well, and the the thing is too, is that with um, the other thing too, is like when they, the people who did accept the award said something like this was the song. So boys could cry at Barbie, Mm. which is like a very fucked up angle for that song. Like the whole point of that song is that it's like, parodying <laughs> the whole mm-hmm. point of the movie yeah um and also is fucked up because like boys can also cry at feminine things mm-hmm. 
things you know that are I mean? about girls and, and women. Yeah. Yes. Um, so it was like a very, so it was like, not only did Ryan Gosling not walk up there, but it was like, then the guy who did walk up there said a super weird thing. Um, but I will say as a note, I think what was, I can't, I cannot believe, I know Billie Eilish is like a really good songwriter, especially with her brother, but like, what was I made for is such a perfect song. Like I've never, I was talking to Kenny about this, like that song is one of the few songs I've ever heard in my life that is specifically about a movie and stands completely separate from the movie at the same time. uh, Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, that line, don't tell my boyfriend it's not what he's made for is like devastating. I, I do wonder, I tweeted this. I do wonder if when the, if when the androids become sentient, if they're going to like find that song and just start weeping their animatronic tears. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. So I guess that song will probably win the Oscar. I guess the only reason it might not is because, as I said, Billie Eilish already won an Oscar Mm -hmm. in recent memory. And sometimes that's a reason for not getting another one. It's like, well, we want to spread the love around instead. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess uh, in a month from now, I will probably know more about what popular opinion is on that question and other questions. And uh, we can talk about that later. Um, as we start to say goodbye, anything that you're looking forward to in 2024? I am, can't think of, think, can't think of a single thing I'm looking forward to. Can I tell you my one hot take about what I think? This is my, like, not based in anything, just me having a hot take. Yeah, please. I asked you the wrong question. I should have (laughs) asked you any parting thoughts on any of this. If... I could see, especially because we know that the voting body for the Oscars is what it is. Mm -hmm. I could see Barbie winning Picture of the Year as a consolation. You Mm -hmm. know how that happens sometimes. For Margot and Greta. Uh And then like whoever the fuck else, like Nolan winning director, Killian winning actor, but Barbie getting sort of like the crown jewel, even if like Barb or or like almost like Barbie wins like nothing else except Picture of the Year, yeah. And maybe and maybe like Billie Eilish getting the the song. I think um, Billie Eilish will win the song. I think there's little chance of Barbie winning Picture, but I think that there's a non-zero chance that Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach could win for adapted screenplay. Didn't she also? Didn't they also get adapted? Not adapted. Fuck, what's the word? <laughs> nominated. For like some one of the production categories. Well, Did she get Bar- nominated for a producer? Did Greta get nominated for a producer? Well, producers are nominated when the movie is nominated for best picture. Produ- Maybe, okay, that's producer, what I was thinking of then. Producer is not a, a category. Okay, that's, I, 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 okay, go on. I'm just not correct. <laughs> um, I, I think Barbie could win production design. That's what uh, I was thinking of. Production design, yeah. Yes. Um, that, I mean, uh, Greta Gerwig is not a name that you will hear yes. um, in that category, but 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 the movie's in there. Mm-hmm. And it could win that because it, well, because it looks the way that it does. Yeah. Um, same is true for costumes. Um, much, much like Little Women, as you once famously said, could have little uh, Oscar as a treat. 
uh, Barbie, perhaps too, will win only costume design. Yeah. We'll see. Um, Adapted costumes. Looking forward to... Uh, that was a good joke. I apologize. Because the, co- because the costumes were largely for... based on original Barbie clothes made real size. I apologize for not giving that its due. Yes, that okay. that it was very good that you said adapted costumes a moment ago, and I I give you your flowers for it. <laughs> Thanks. I'll, I'll look forward to them in the mail. I apologize. I was distracted by being ready to say that in 2024, yes. uh, what we have to look forward to. Uh, I could, if I wanted to, come up with a list of movies here to insert, but I haven't done that, and I'm not going to do that. Instead, I have two words for you. Okay. Muadib time. <laughs> yes. Dune part two. Dune part two. The movie that was supposed to be in 2023 and <laughs> would be picking up a lot of these below the line Oscars probably as Dune part one did. Instead is coming soon. It's only about a month away. Timothée Chalamet, my guy. Finally uh, getting to uh, flex his Muad'Dib muscles. Yes. And it was a burst of joy in Timothée, as uh, as Denis Villeneuve once said. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, uh, I look forward to that and more. And mm-hmm. thank you, as always, Liz, for uh, participating, listening, and indulging me yes, in this activity. I love you very much. I'm excited to see who wins, but you know who the real winner is? You will. Oh, in my thank heart. you. I love you too. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Will is on Twitter and Letterboxd at youngest of one, and his website is williamhoffacker.com. You can find Liz at exclamate on Instagram, at exclamate underscore on Twitter, or on her website, elizabethdeannamorrislakes.com. Our website is smugbuds.com. And the podcast is at SmugBuds on Twitter and Instagram.